Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. Soapbox Science is a novel approach to showcase women and non-binary scientists and their exciting science that they do. In 2021, a total of 45 in-person and online events were held around the world. Since 2011, Soapbox Science has featured over 1,500 scientists and reached 150,000 members of the public. Following the format of London's Hyde Park Speaker's Corner, which is historically an arena for public debate, Soapbox Science events provide everyone with an opportunity to learn from, question, and interact with leading scientists. It's hoped that these exciting events will inspire people who don't normally get exposed to science and make science accessible to anyone, irrespective of education or financial means. Now, there are far fewer women in leadership positions in STEM fields than men, with gender disparity being particularly wide in Newfoundland and Labrador. So a soapbox science event was organized for Newfoundland last year and again this year. It consists of three parts featuring three scientists in each session who talks about their exciting work and their personal experience as women or non-binary researchers in the STEM field. Everyone's welcome to attend and it's going to be held at the farmer's market on September 3rd and I highly encourage you to check it out. I went down last year and it was an amazing time. So joining us today are Dr. Sarah Sove, who's an event organizer, and two of the presenters at this year's event, Dr. Sevtap Savash and Sarita Palloway. So today we'll learn more about Soapbox Science and be introduced to some of the exciting work being done right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Let's check it out. Hi, Sarah. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me again. Yeah, it's great. This is the second year we're chatting about the Soapbox Science event, which I attended last year and I found extremely interesting. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on this week coming up? Yeah, so Soapbox Science is a now essentially global event. It takes place in cities all around the world and it's a science outreach platform. So the idea is that we put women and gender diverse people on soapboxes, literally in public places so they can talk to the public about their research. And so that's taking place um, on Saturday, September 3rd from 11 to 2 at the St. John's Farmers Market. So this program is about being able to highlight people's research. What was the rationale behind launching this event and particularly choosing the audience that you use to share science? Uh, The origin of the event is in the UK. I think it started in 2011. And we've known for a while, and this is through historical process of marginalization that women and gender diverse people are currently underrepresented in science. And we've made some gains, uh, particularly through recruitment. So there's more gender parity at say the undergrad level, but that declines very quickly. And there are much, much fewer women and gender diverse people in positions of leadership and professorships. And so the idea behind this is to highlight that women and gender diverse people belong in science to we can be seen there and share our knowledge um, with the public because the other side of it is that there's also a growing mistrust of of science in the public and i think it's really helpful to be able to put people in direct contact with the scientists Mm -hmm. yeah when i attended last year people could talk about what they did but there was a chance to ask questions and i think that was really interesting because quite often we're presented with a topic we don't get a chance to have input ourselves. So, you know, when people go and can you tell us like where it's going to be located and then what people can expect, like what's the structure of the event? Absolutely. So we have four boxes that will be going. Um, there'll be every, every so it's into three hours. 
Um, every hour has three or four speakers and they're just standing on their box for the hour. So they will speak to anyone who comes up to them. <laughs> They'll probably give you a little pitch about what they do. And then you can have a chat, follow up with any questions you have about their research, about what it's like to be in science with their identity, um, their experience maybe as a young researcher or as a more senior researcher. And so there's lots of scope to just chat with what it's like to mm. be a woman or gender diverse person in science. Right. And that's the thing. So we're going to talk about some of the people that uh, are going to be presenting and some of the topics we're going to hear. But on top of the specific science, it really is an opportunity for people that are thinking about getting into science, in particular from those marginalized populations or underrepresented populations, to ask people that have done it firsthand. How valuable yeah. is that? Because I know you're a researcher as well. And, I, you know, as a young person coming up through, how valuable would it have been for you to talk to somebody like that? I've been really lucky in that in my field, because it's a lot newer, there is a lot more gender parity, even from the from like the founding people. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our founders are are women. And I say founders very loosely. <laughs> it's the, the mm -hmm. earlier researchers in the fields. Mm -hmm. But we we know that role models are so, so important to being able to think that you can achieve something, right? If you don't see yourself in a position, how can you imagine yourself there? Mm -hmm. So role models are so, so important. And that's another aspect of why we do this. Well, that's right. And we actually met when we were chatting about your research one time uh, in the impact of music on people's health. Uh, are you gonna be speaking? And what are some of the other topics we're gonna hear from at the event? I'm not going to be speaking. One of the uh, stipulations of being an organizer is that you can't speak, but I'm okay with that. I'm very happy to promote other women and gender diverse people in science and create that platform for others. Uh, this year, we have a wide range of, of speakers again. We have speakers on cancer. We have a speaker who's gonna be speaking about ASD. We have um, a speaker who's gonna be talking about bones. We have Alzheimer's, uh, gut microbiome, mindfulness. And then we have something different this year where we're gonna have four speakers we're gonna be talking about the same topic, but from different points of view. And this is something that was proposed by Kathy Hodgkinson, which is one of the speakers. Um, she's a professor of clinical epidemiology. And so she's gonna be one of those speakers. There's also gonna be Jessica Esseltine, who's a professor of cancer and development, a PhD candidate, Rebecca Nort, and also a patient of this particular disease that they study, which is, new to me, apparently very common in Newfoundland and called the Newfoundland curse. It's known as arrhythmogenic right ventricular cardiomyopathy, which is mm. a mouthful. <laughs> but the idea is that you'll get to talk to four different people who have um, interacted with this disease, either you know, the patient from real life experience and then the epidemiologist um, and then cancer and development, working with stem cells. So different aspects of the same project. And I think it's a really cool way to showcase that science is actually very collaborative, yeah. that none of us do things alone. And so we get a chance to, to talk to a whole team mm -hmm. on a particular topic. 
And people get to see how they may fit into that equation because they may be more suited or have a desire to pursue a different aspect. The great thing about it is I think a lot of the speakers you're going to have here have also been on the show. So anybody that's listening that goes and checks it out, they're likely, because you've named a few people there that have already been on, they can go and listen to them speak even longer about some of their areas of interest, which I think is just so, so important because there's just so much you can talk about in these subjects, which is why it's nice to have an hour with them. Um, Any last thoughts you want to leave people with? Any encouraging things about when they could come down, what timing it'll be, exact locations, things like that? Yeah, we're going to be at the St. John's Farmer's Market, hopefully outside if the weather is is nice, um, on the Labor Day weekend on Saturday. We're going to start at 11. We're going till 2, so you can come by at any time. There'll be different people on the boxes each hour, so you can come and go. Uh, or maybe you will look up, you know, what speakers you're interested in, in seeing and ask us when they'll be on, and so you can come see specific people. But yeah, I really encourage you to come and, and interact with, with these scientists, see, see what our lives are like, see what we're interested in. We're all really passionate about this, so we love talking about it. We love speaking to the public. This is why we're doing Soapbox Science. And it's really important for us to talk to the public, to understand, one, what the public wants to know, what they're curious about. That can inform our research. But also, to me, it's really important to communicate to the public because the majority of us are funded with public money. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to be transparent and give back to the public to share what we're doing in a really accessible way. That's great. Well, I'm so glad that you reached out to be able to share this with folks. If they wanted to follow it on social media to make, get all the latest updates on what's happening, what are some sources they can turn to for Soapbox Science? Uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter. If you look up Soapbox Science NL, you'll be able to find us. Right on. Okay, that's great. Well, thank you so much and good luck with the event. And thanks for coordinating all of our great guests for the rest of this episode. Oh, thank you. Well, what happens if you put a few scientists on soapbox on a busy street? Well, we'll tell you what happens. People who usually don't think about science get to hear about it firsthand from scientists who don't necessarily have shaggy beards and odd matching socks, but who do know how to share their passion for experimentation, discovery, and innovation. Soapbox Science is a grassroots approach to taking science to the public. No fancy festivals, no stuffy lecture theaters, just some of the world's top women and non-binary scientists, a couple of silly props, a dash of summer showers, and a lot of unsuspecting visitors. It's a street theater with a difference, and Soapbox Science aims to make that difference. And that's why we're talking with the organizers and speakers from this annual event in St. John's that highlights these women and non-binary researchers in fields of science, engineering, and math by sharing their ideas with the crowd at the St. John's Farmer's Market. We'll be right back for a chat with Dr. Sevtap Savash about her topic of cancer research. We'll be right back after the break. Soapbox Science is a series of annual science communication events that bring cutting-edge science to the public in an accessible, fun, free, and unintimidating way. Unlike other science events, a Soapbox audience won't necessarily have planned to come to learn about science. Rather, they happen across a bunch of world-class scientists as they stroll down the streets. Because of this, the event is unique among science outreach ventures in that it has the potential to inspire people who normally don't get exposed to science. Moreover, it's accessible to anyone, irrespective of education or financial means. Finally, there can't be a more green and sustainable way of disseminating science and engaging the public. There's no expensive exhibits, constructions, pavilions, props, or speaker fees. It's highly portable, reproducible, and flexible in its theme. Soapbox Science is a next-generation science event, 
Its sustainable, cost-effective, non-discriminatory approach brings science to the people. Now, Soapbox Science will be running on September 3rd at the St. John's Farmer's Market. It runs for three hours over the afternoon for the public. The event is divided into one-hour sessions with three to four speakers per session. Speakers stand on custom-made Soapbox Science soapboxes arranged in a semicircle facing slightly inwards to facilitate the crowd's movement. I went last year and it was a really interesting event. Well, let's get back to the interview and learn more about this year's event. Hi, Septep. Welcome to the show. Oh, hi, Mike. Thanks for having me again. Oh, no problem at all. It's great to have you back. So can you tell me about uh, your involvement with Soapbox Science? Because that's where we first met last year, actually, and now we're revisiting again this year. That's exactly uh, it is. So last year was my first time, and this is my second year, and I, I can't wait because I got really good ideas last time that I can improve actually my public engagement and interaction and coming coming my messages to them. So I'm really excited about this opportunity. And there are, you know, three important uh, points that we make by participating in that event. And I, I would like to go through them if you have time right now. So I think the it has very, it is very meaningful for me because it has um, it, it helps me to contribute to many different um, areas. The first one is engaging with public in an um, unintimidating environment, in a very cozy environment, in a cozy way to interact with them, tell them, hey, this is what I do in science. You know, this is what I'm interested in. Let's speak about this. Let's talk about this. Let's have a conversation. Having this and bringing science and what we really value in science in terms of health, because you know I'm a cancer researcher, this is really very important. And we do get to learn a lot of things from our conversation with the public members as well. For example, last year, uh, you know, they gave me really good ideas uh, by some of their questions and comments. So, so it's really, you know, both ways. It goes both ways. So interacting with public in a cozy environment trying to convey our scientific messages to them, having conversations and learning from them. This is really meaningful. The second angle is that, you know, uh, this event um, also tries to showcase women and non-binary scientists, especially in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Why? Because traditionally we are very under uh, represented. I'm a, you know, a woman and I'm also an international scientist. So, you know, it's an extra valuable for me to actually represent international scientists there too. So we traditionally are binary and women, uh, especially we're under um, valued, maybe under encouraged or uh, under appreciated in this field. So being there, standing on that softbox, you know, talking to the world or the you know participants of the event saying that hey i'm a professor of cancer here mm -hmm. you know i'm a woman i'm an international as well you can say from my accent i'm not you know from here so but i i did and achieve and thanks to the support my family and others including you know a lot of professors and teachers Mm -hmm. um, it wasn't maybe that easy, but I did, I was interested in, I pursued my uh, interests and like anyone else, I have the right to pursue whatever my interest is. And I had support luckily, and I was also persistent to like, you know, I didn't give up in the first hardship because sometimes it's really hard, but here I am. So 
you know, there are again really good messages here. What is that like role modeling, right? I mean, I'm not trying to brag about myself, but I think it's really important for others to see. In many academic fields, women, I mean, we are the half of the world population, what prevents us from actually achieving <laughs> anything, right? So it's, it's really good to say this, uh, especially the, for the kids and teenagers, especially mm -hmm. if they need some sort of encouragement. Just, hey, I haven't thought about that. Oh, she's a professor in, you know, biomedical sciences. Oh, you know, she's, a, I don't know, animal scientist. And these are really great, interesting uh, fields. So I think this role modeling is really important and representing again, women, international individuals and so on. I think this is great. Mm -hmm. And the third part, of course, public engagement, then there is um, modeling and representing, you know, women and others. But there is the third part is, of course, uh, about, you know, representing our uh, research field and communication, communicating about this. I kind of feel like you will have a question about that later. So I'm not going to. Uh, put it here, but I think that's why it's really important for me mm -hmm. to engage, interact with public in a really great way so that we can learn from each other, represent undervalued, underappreciated, underrepresented women, international and other uh, scientists, and then co convey and have conversations about our uh, my research interests. So that's right. I actually do want to ask you about what your research is. But before that, you were a participant last year. I would love you to walk me through what people can expect when they come in there. And what was your experience last year getting up there and sharing your information with all the people right. attending? Right. You know, I, 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 I have a very difficult topic to talk about, right? It's cancer. Sometimes... I mean, it has, it is something that has not been associated with any positive experience or positive feeling. So I still think that, you know, I should do uh, much better this time because uh, I remember some of other speakers, they had, you know, uh, posters, you know, demonstrations. And I was like, I'm very inspired actually. So what our participants can expect is that, I, you know, we, we all have our spots and uh, there's usually a volunteer that helps and we will be there and talking about you know um for me it's a cancer like how can we help um think make them think about cancer a little bit but not in a scare way that was the main progress for me from last year because i realized and i know that from uh, scientific literature as well right it's a Cancer is a fearsome word. And I mean, honestly, but this time I'm not going to give any any statistics like 50% of the Canadians are supposed to get cancer. I mean, how scary is that? It's scary, right? yeah, very. Right, but this time I'm going to ask a question and this is the title of my participation this year. Does cancer ignore us? Well, what happens if you put a few scientists on soapbox on a busy street? Well, we'll tell you what happens. People who usually don't think about science get to hear about it firsthand from scientists who don't necessarily have shaggy beards and odd matching socks, but who do know how to share their passion for experimentation, discovery, and innovation. Soapbox Science is a grassroots approach to taking science to the public. No fancy festivals, no stuffy lecture theaters, just some of the world's top women and non-binary scientists, a couple of silly props, a dash of summer showers, and a lot of unsuspecting visitors it's a street theater with a difference, and Soapbox Science aims to make that difference. And that's why we're talking with the organizers and speakers in this annual event in St. John's that highlights these women and non-binary researchers in fields of science, engineering, and math by sharing their ideas with the crowd at the St. John's Farmer's Market. 
We'll be right back for a chat with Dr. Sevtap Savash about her topic of cancer research. We'll be right back after the break. Gender shouldn't define your career path, but it's a reality that women have historically had to face. Women have made strides in pursuing careers in fields historically male-dominated. Today, more women are pursuing careers in science, technology, engineering, and math than ever before, and this is called STEM. Women make up about 47% of the total workforce, but they remain statistically underrepresented in STEM. Women made up about 27% of STEM workers in the United States in 2019, compared with just 8% in 1970, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. This also means men make up 73% of the workforce of the industry in the U.S. still. Now, the numbers in Canada are similar. Women make up less than 25% of people employed in STEM careers. And according to Stats Canada, 34% of Canadians with a STEM degree are women, and they make up only 23% of Canadians working in science and technology. Now, in other areas of the world, they're making greater strides for women to be represented in STEM. For example, as of 2019, there were over 6.3 million women scientists and engineers in the European Union. That represented about 43% of STEM employees. The good news is the number of women in STEM is growing. More women are enrolling in STEM programs in university and we're seeing more women in executive and board roles within STEM companies. Organizations are increasing their representation and the visibility of women in prominent roles in STEM is starting to impact future generations. It breaks down a barrier that does exist but never should have existed. The increase in the number of women studying STEM in schools and women in industry is great, but a significant gender imbalance still remains. Nearly 22,000 more women are working as science and engineering technicians than in 2016. However, women still only make up 27% of the total workforce. Women make up about 42% of the total number of science professionals, and women in STEM publish less and are paid less for research, and they don't progress as far in their careers as men typically. And probably the area that has to change most is that women make up only 15% of total management roles in science, engineering, and technology. And that's why events like this are so important. Let's get back to the interview. You know, as a scientist, you have a very, you, you, we're, we are all required to have a very factual way of describing things with statistics and with numbers and quantitative data. But when it comes yeah. to people that are listening, well, they just need to know how's it going to impact them? And what does it really mean for their long-term health? And so as a cancer researcher, why don't you give me your Cole's notes on what you're going to talk about when you're there so that people will come over and, and hopefully hear some of this really important information. Right. So you nailed it, Mike. So thanks. This is excellent. And and I, I, I really would like them to come to the answer themselves, right? Because it doesn't really matter what I tell them. I'm honestly, it doesn't. I, this is what I realized most uh, from last year, right? It doesn't really matter. But if you if really want them to think about um, a topic like cancer, which is really negative, you know, it, it creates a lot of negative emotions and that, then we really need to give the room to the, I think, individuals, community members, you know, our peers, et cetera, to, to, to think about it and, and, and arrive to the, um, answers themselves the you know the end results no cancer doesn't ignore us mm -hmm. well here's the thing so it's supposed to be a beautiful weekend first of all so what better reason to go to the market and get caught up in some 
some local foods and all sorts of little shopping, but also to learn something. So what would be your message to people that are listening about why they should come down and check this out? Because I'll tell you, I went last year, I found it super interesting and I know a lot of you guys that were presenting, but yeah. why would you, why would you encourage people to come down and see something they would probably not think to go do is listen to scientists on a Saturday. Right. I have uh, messages for t uh, different demographics from children, teenage to adult individuals, science research, and uh, thinking about all of these and facts and how our natural world works is really amazing. I'm pretty sure there is a scientist in everybody's mind. I, I believe in that. So yeah, just come join us and there are multiple different uh, speakers and I'm pretty sure there will be this one topic that will interest them. Uh, but for kids, I think it's really important or for parents as well to, you know, bring them to this event so that, hey, look at this, a, a female or non-binary or international scientist. And for kids, this can be really uh, inspiring for teenagers as well. And it can also be very encouraging because we all have stories to share. Like I have a very unusual career trajectory. Nobody thought that I, you know, I could be <laughs> achieving much, even though I was a good student. I was a good student, but not at the university, you know, and then I ended up being where I am right now. It's really amazing. So for teenagers, this can be a little bit of encouragement, you know, because these are the times that um, uh, young individuals try to decide what they want to be, what they can be. And we have a lot of, you know, things, opportunities, um, and, 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 advices to provide if they want. And so I think uh, it can be really great for teenage young individuals as well, but for adults as well, because science does not end in the, you know, uh, school. That's it right. doesn't matter if you have not followed the science, but now you can be a citizen scientist because yeah. this is one of the things that I, you know, I, I do in the last couple of years, I partner with the patients and family members and we do science together. Mm -hmm. So I think there is something for everyone, regardless of their demographics, et cetera. Um, and I think, uh, as I said, there are many different uh, topics. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is one topic will be very interesting for any participants, but also think about if you're a parent, also please try to bring your kids, teenagers, and if you are interested, then by all means, we can uh, also talk about, you know, how an adult person without a science background can be actually a student scientist. So I'm pretty sure it will attract a lot of interest. That's great. Well, I know for a fact that you would inspire any young person that was looking at your career and, and the way that you're passionate about what you speak about, along with the other speakers that we've been able to have the you know, privilege of chatting with. So uh, I really look forward to coming down again and seeing it. And I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you so much for joining me again. And I know we're definitely going to have you back on the show. So bye for now, I suppose. <laughs> thank, thank you, Mike. It's such a pleasure to speak with you all the time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that me, you know, event on September 3rd. I believe in farmers markets so please uh, join us folks you never know it also helps us to learn so think about this as well so thank you again well what happens if you put a few scientists on soapbox on a busy street well we'll tell you what happens people who usually don't think about science get to hear about it firsthand from scientists who don't necessarily have shaggy beards and odd matching socks but who do know how to share their passion for experimentation discovery and innovation Soapbox Science is a grassroots approach to taking science to the public. 
No fancy festivals, no stuffy lecture theaters, just some of the world's top women and non-binary scientists, a couple of silly props, a dash of summer showers, and a lot of unsuspecting visitors. It's a street theater with a difference, and Soapbox Science aims to make that difference. And that's why we're talking with the organizers and speakers from this annual event in St. John's that highlights these women and non-binary researchers in fields of science, engineering, and math by sharing their ideas with the crowd at the St. John's Farmer's Market. When we come back, we'll talk with Sarita Pello about her research into the health of our dogs. It's an interesting topic that impacts the gut microbiome of our furry friends. We'll be right back after the break. Soapbox Science is a series of annual science communication events that bring cutting-edge science to the public in an accessible, fun, free, and unintimidating way. Unlike other science events, a Soapbox audience won't necessarily have planned to come to learn about science. Rather, they happen across a bunch of world-class scientists as they stroll down the streets. Because of this, the event is unique among science outreach ventures in that it has the potential to inspire people who normally don't get exposed to science. Moreover, it's accessible to anyone, irrespective of education or financial means. Finally, there can't be a more green and sustainable way of disseminating science and engaging the public. There's no expensive exhibits, constructions, pavilions, props, or speaker fees. It's highly portable, reproducible, and flexible in its theme. Soapbox Science is a next-generation science event. Its sustainable, cost-effective, non-discriminatory approach brings science to the people. Now, Soapbox Science will be running on September 3rd at the St. John's Farmer's Market. It runs for three hours over the afternoon for the public. The event is divided into one-hour sessions with three to four speakers per session. Speakers stand on custom-made Soapbox Science soapboxes arranged in a semicircle facing slightly inwards to facilitate the crowd's movement. I went last year and it was a really interesting event. Well, let's get back to the interview and learn more about this year's event. Hi, Srita, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I'm glad you could join us today because today we're talking about Soapbox Science. Now, you're going to be participating in the event this year. Can you tell me a bit about yourself and your background? Sure. So I'm a master's student at Memorial University, and I am currently researching the links between the gut microbiome and anxious and aggressive behaviors in dogs. Um, I'm looking forward to getting out there and talking to hopefully some uh, pet dog owners um, about any behaviors that they might be having issues with with their dogs and how talking about my research could potentially help them in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a very interesting field. Uh, who would think that, you know, the, the stomach or the intestine or gut microbiome of an animal could impact their behavior, but you're going to be chatting about that and you're going to be getting up on a soapbox at the market, chatting with all sorts of people coming by. Why did you decide to get involved with soapbox science? I think it's a really good initiative to sort of um, cross that bridge between academia and the general public. Um, I find a lot of the time the general public don't have the access that we're sort of privileged to within the scientific community for potentially important information um, that's being researched, papers that are getting published. And for something like uh, my research in particular, I think it's so important for pet dog owners to know that how many uh, potential options are out there for assistance with their dog. It can be pretty isolating when you're dealing with behavioral issues. Um, so having the opportunity to get out there and talk to dog owners, dog lovers, anyone who's interested in it, 
um, about how the scientific community is working towards um, potentially helping pet dogs. I think it's an excellent way to be able to reach more people that we potentially wouldn't uh, staying within the sort of box of academia. Yeah, I find that a lot. It's why we have individuals like yourselves on the show where we can share the information they have that typically gets reserved for a select group of people that might want to read the specific papers that you study and things like that. And so when people get a chance to pick your brain at the Soapbox Science event, what are you going to talk about? Well, I'm going to be talking a lot about the dog that I'm going to have there with me. Uh, so I have been allowed to bring some furry company, which is always going to be great for drawing in a crowd. Um, what I'd like to talk to people about is a little bit about how we've performed this research. Um, so the samples that we've taken and the behavioral tests that we've done on the dogs. My major focus is going to be talking to people about the potential, um, the, the future potential for this research. So it's in the very early stages right now. We're in the process of figuring out what's going on in the dog gut right now. Um, but I think the thing that people will be most interested in is those future applications. So how um, diet and gut microbiome can potentially either prevent or how treatments can help to alleviate behavioral issues in dogs. Hmm. So, okay, quickly tell me about that. So how could gut microbiome, we just had an episode on this recently, so everybody's listening to the show regularly would learn all about human gut microbiome, but how could the microbiome of your animal actually impact their health? Would it make them, or their, their behavior, would it make them more aggressive or more docile, or how does that work? So the majority of the information that we have right now regarding the gut microbiome is related to diet um, and to gastrointestinal upset. So a lot of the... Um, Behavioral approaches so far have worked on helping the dogs feel better, to feel happier in their gut, to feel healthier. And that sort of starts a cascade effect. If you feel better, you can potentially behave better. Mm -hmm. um, so generally, we know that if a dog has a more diverse gut microbiome, they generally have a healthier stomach in terms of their uh, digestive health. So dogs feeling better from the inside can by proxy help them feel better on the outside. In terms of the behavioral link, that is what we're trying to go for. And ultimately, it would be very nice if somewhere down the line, this research continues to help develop a supplement that could help make dogs more resilient, in which case decreasing the likelihood of aggressive or anxious behaviors. Right now, though, we're definitely a long way from, uh, from being able to make those types of recommendations. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of dog moms and dads that are listening to this right now. I think that's really, really interesting. I think about particular rescues, maybe coming from Labrador that may have had a really different diet than they're eating now when they get domesticated because maybe they were almost pseudo wild at the time and now they've been brought into homes as their rescue. So I can see that being really interesting. Um, for yourself, you said you're a master's student. Are you going to continue this research? And really, what's your, what's your goal for the end of your project? So ideally, I would love to continue this research. Um, I'd love to move it up to PhD level. Um, right now, we're working on writing a paper, writing a thesis, obviously getting all of that published. Um, my long-term goal, which is one of the reasons why I started this research, is actually to become a certified behaviorist. Um, so a master's or a PhD program in animal behavior are a requirement for the behaviors designation. Mm -hmm. And we actually don't have any uh, certified applied animal behaviorists in Atlantic Canada. 
um, the closest assistance we have is Dr. Karen Overall, who's a veterinary behaviorist uh, in PEI. And then we have a couple of behaviorists out in um, Toronto area. Uh, but right now, there is nobody in Newfoundland or any of the Atlantic provinces who um, has that level of certification for dealing with anxious and aggressive behaviors. Mm -hmm. Wow. I can see that being an important thing, especially because people have so many families, especially now after the pandemic, have pets, particular dogs. Now, if you were to tell a message to anybody that's listening, I know Soapbox Science is looking at highlighting the efforts of uh, female and gender diverse researchers. Um, what words of encouragement would you give somebody who's listening that thinks that maybe the world of science is for them? I think, uh, well, from my perspective, I took what I was passionate about in doc training and there was a place in academia for that. So I think for women, especially and young girls, I think it's important to find something that you're truly passionate about and there will be a place within the scientific community for your questions. Um, you know, I've always had a pretty inquisitive mind and wanted to know how things work. And I think for young women in particular, don't lose that spark of asking those questions because that's exactly what science is there for. I love that. I love that. Same thing with me. I had a, a passion for wellness and found a way to be able to bring that to the academic setting. And although it may not be traditional approaches, there's definitely a place for it. So I really appreciate that. And I encourage everybody to come down and uh, pet your dog. What was your dog's name again? Uh, my dog, one of them is Lilu. I'll Lilu. actually have um, an English Mastiff called Judge who oh. will be there with me. Cool. He is around five and a half months old right now and already hit for a hundred pounds. So Mm -hmm. He's going to be a big slobbery boy there to get all of the belly rubs. That's great. That's great. Well, that's good. It's nice to see. He's going to be have a, a healthy belly on the inside and a nice and comfy belly from being pet on the outside. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining me today and good luck with the event. Thank you very much. Thank you to my guests for joining me today. I look forward to this year's event and encourage you to check it out. As a scientist myself, I can say that it's a field that allows you to constantly question, learn and evolve. I'm glad that the field is doing the same when it comes to creating equity and opportunities for women and non-binary researchers. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Wall. We'll see you back here next week for another episode of The Wall Show on your VOCM.